just wanted to do it twice in case you didn't see it the first time. <laughs> Sorry. I clicked the wrong button. <coughs> anyway, welcome. It is April the 28th, 2022, and you are watching Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards. I'm Father Larry Richards, in case you didn't know. Um, someone just got me this rod. Someone who's with me on the CMLA, Catholic Men Leadership Alliance, just got me this thing in the back here. It says, Hope Anchors the Soul. So uh, we put it there. So we want to thank Rod for sending that. It's uh, fantastic. Someone else also sent a Divine Mercy uh, last week. I didn't know where it came from, but we're going to probably put it right there um, when I have a chance. So thank you, too. So anyway, uh, welcome. We're so good to have you here with uh, me today. So first thing we need to do is pray. In your Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Father, we thank you for the resurrection of your son, Jesus. That he conquered death to bring us all life. That the whole point of his ministry was to die for our sins, that we might live with you forever. So much do you love us that you want us to be with you forever. Thank you, Father. May that always be the hope that anchors our soul, that no matter what, no matter the struggles, especially now the struggles in the world in Ukraine and Russia, that no matter what, you bring these faithful people to everlasting life. And heaven is so much nicer than Ukraine or Pennsylvania or Erie or any place we are. No matter what, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. So help us to stay anchored in you. To be rooted deeply in your love. To be rooted deeply in that hope that will keep us alive forever. We beg you these things, Holy Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, the way this works, if uh, you're live with us, and again, we always start off low. We only have 40 people watching, 40 of you. But I'm glad the 40 of you are there. Uh, you can type in to the live chat, and I will see it, and I'll answer as many of those possible. Those of you who are watching later, <laughs> again, over a thousand people will watch this later on in the week. So if you'd sit there and want to know what some kind of questions, all you have to do is um, go to our website, uh, The Reason for Our Hope, and you can email Father Larry. It tells you how to do that and put on their question for podcast, and then I will get that. And like this week, I only have two um, so you can do that, and I'll answer that uh, next week. Uh, I'm here next week, I think. Yes. So I uh, encourage you to do that if you're at all interested in participating in this. And that works best. Instead of just me talking, uh, at least I can answer questions that are important to you and that you want to know. Okay. So let's start here. Ah, we got to move this over so I can see it. Good evening. Peace be with you all. And that's Harry from France. 
Uh, dear Father, please mention to the flower team at your church that they are their wonderful efforts were noticed here in Fran France. You got it. Thank you. They did a fantastic job. I think they did it so good because that was the day I was sick in bed all day, so they had to do it without me. <laughs> Sometimes that's always the better thing as we find out more and more. I'm not sick now. I just... Um, it got really warm here on uh, Sunday in Erie, Pennsylvania. Last week, it was 80 degrees. It was fantastic. And then it plummeted to where we got snow the day before yesterday. But I had turned off the heat at directory, and it's the old boilers. And it takes forever to get them back up again. So it's supposed to get warmer again last week. But yesterday, it was freezing. But the problem is, it's freezing in directory. It's one of these old, old, old brick buildings. And it takes forever to heat it. And then it takes forever, uh, once it's cold, to heat it again when the sun gets out outside. So um, we're freezing at the rectory right now. <laughs> so I get a running nose when I'm cold. So anyway, let's go here right to the, more of the questions. Ryan the Pagan. Oh, I'm sorry, Paul Ryan. Yeah, you know. Happy NFL Draft Day, Father, I hope that you pray some good prayers that your favorite West Coast team, the Chargers, shut up. The Chargers may have some good picks. Who are those? The Chargers? The Chargers? I, I don't know if I ever heard of them. The Chargers? The Chargers? I didn't know about the Steelers. I don't, you know, I can't even remember anybody else, but thanks for writing, Paul. Uh, what happened at uh, God's a Steelers fan? I see that? You know, Hope. You know quite well God is a Steelers fan. He just doesn't know. You know, he's been drinking early out there in San Diego. I just, uh, I tell him not to drink so early, but he just doesn't pay any attention. He, he does it anyway. So what are you going to do? <laughs> kidding for all those people watching. I'm kidding. Anyway, um, Hank says, hello, everyone. Thank you, Father Larry, for your dedication and evangelization. May God uh, bless you and the work of your hands. I hope so. It was interesting. Uh, yesterday, I've been cleaning my office because, again, it's been um, the last months have been uh, just put me in a funk, and I couldn't do anything. So my office was a mess. There was stuff all over my um everything at the rectory, it's just been, so I've been like on my thing, okay, it's time to get my life in gear. So I have like four or 500 uh, letters and everything that I got uh, for my birthday, for my anniversary, for my um, my mother's passing. And so it was just there in piles and piles and piles and piles and piles all over the office. So I'd just been trying to get them, and I found an old folder that they had for my uh, 25th anniversary that's been sitting next to the thing uh, for the last seven years. But anyway, so... And it had all my stuff from ordination in there, you know, uh, my first mass stuff, my diaconate stuff, uh, some of the things I wrote uh, when I was a uh, newly ordained priest at one of my uh, first assignments. And I was watching this, I mean, li reading this stuff, and I'm thinking, wow, I had such uh, hopes and ambitions. And that's 33 years now, uh, 34 years almost for this diaconate. And I was thinking, I hope, if you heard my homily this morning, that I'm... Um, that I, that I stay or I reignite all that. Because the older you get and when you've been in a place for 20 years and wonderful people, sometimes you can get stagnant. And you just gotta, the only way to get beyond that is to really let the Holy Spirit take control. So I've really been asking the Holy Spirit just to take, me, take control and to reinvigorate me so I can uh, um, 
instead of just like, oh, I'm getting too old for this, let someone else do it, it has to be, Lord, uh, you know, God willing, I have, how old am I, 62, 72, 82, I don't know, 25 years in me or so, uh, that the next uh, 25 years, God willing, can be more productive than the last uh, 62 years. Uh, so that's what I'm praying for. I ask you to pray too that uh, um, I'm always looking to the future and not the past and all the things that's happened in the past, but focused on Jesus in the future. And I think that's all going to be all of us, that we always got to be um, never settling for the status quo, but always seeking because as long as we're alive, God has a will for us. And um, we got to make sure that we're looking at Jesus in the future, not ourselves and our past and all that stuff. It has to be let go of. So, excuse me. And so those are the things that we got to keep uh, focusing on and moving towards. And, uh, and I think we can do that. But we need to make sure that, first of all, that's what we desire because God will answer that prayer when we desire it. And we just don't give up. Uh, and we don't stay uh, focused on those things. You know, I always, like this morning I said that uh, St. Francis, towards the end of his life, was meeting with all the hundreds and hundreds of brothers of his order, and he goes, up until now, brothers, we have done nothing. And I always think that's a good place to begin in our life, that uh, looking at the past and saying all the good that God has accomplished through us is still nothing compared to what God wants to do through us in the future. And so to always be forward-focused, always be Jesus-focused, always be, I'll do anything you want, and I know that uh, you'll give me the power to do what I need to do if it's your holy will. And that's the only thing we got to keep focusing on. To every day we are alive is to do his holy will. So we can never lose hope. We can never lose faith. We can, we can do that if we look at ourselves or the situation around us. But as long as we stay focused on Jesus, we will be fine. Okay. But, the, but will the patriots win again, Harry says. Our former priest in St. Mary's. The Virgin um, was from New Hampshire and spoke almost more about patriots and Red Sox than the gospel. <laughs> Even in France, I can't imagine. Uh, you don't talk, you don't hear me talk much about sports because to me it's like a waste of our life. Uh, sorry for all those who are sports fans, but who cares when it comes down to it? I have all these other things I got to wear. The people are dying of uh, all this stuff. And like yesterday, I was, uh, something happened and. Um, I was saying, Lord, just help me. Uh, and it was just like he convicted me. Okay, sure, I'll help you. But, you know, think about all those people right now that are in uh, Ukraine that are dying or dead and those who have their baby. I mean, it's just so sad. And uh, sometimes we've got to remember that, wow, there's so many people going through so much stuff throughout the world and how blessed we are. But I wouldn't even say it's just a blessed. We all go through our own struggles but, uh, you know, with all that stuff, God's in control, and I keep uh, praying that he makes them all great saints, but it's time for, uh, I think it's time for God just to end all that garbage and pain there. But who knows what the future holds? I don't, but I know who holds the future, and we know how this all ends. So even though we don't understand, God has a plan. Okay. 
Do 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 do. Good afternoon, Gene. The great host best. Thank you, Gene, for your prayers. Cameron. Hi, Father. In your homily last night, you said on this many warning, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. Is that the case? Why do people still go to hell? He explained it right after. But anyway, really dumb question. But oh, it's not a dumb question, uh, Cameron. Of course it's not. But let's look at the yesterday's reading. And uh, it's again, um, I uh, if we go to the readings yesterday, and I have an iMissile on my phone, it does that. And so yesterday was the 27th. And uh, here is the gospel. It's John three sixteen, which we all know, but it says uh, we focused yesterday on God three, uh, uh, John three seventeen, and it says, "For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world might be saved through Him." So get that: God did not send His Son to condemn the world, but to save it. But now let's listen to the next couple verses. Whoever believes in Him will not be condemned. You see, because now we're in Christ Jesus. But the one who does not believe has already been condemned because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the verdict, that the light came into the world, but people preferred, preferred darkness to light because their works were evil. So that means that their works and themselves and their unbelief condemn themselves. God doesn't condemn them. They condemn themselves. And that's so important because it talks about their works are evil. You can go to daily mass and have an evil heart. Uh, you can be a priest, a bishop, and have an evil heart. It's been proven again and again throughout the centuries, but even with all the problems that we've had through the abuse and everything else, it's, you know, there's still evil people in the church, in the world, in leadership, of course. And so they will be condemned. God does everything in his power to save us. When God went to the cross, he did everything in his power to save you and to save me. But we have to accept that. He will not force it because even that would be a condemnation. All he does is invite us, huh? But we got we to gotta know, you know, like again, I've been reflecting so much and in so many ways been judging but I would not in any way be a Christian. I would absolutely not be a Christian if, like the patriarch of Russia, when he says it's a holy thing to kill these children and all these things to, for nationalism, whenever any church becomes more focused on their nation than on God's holy will, it becomes evil. So just because you have great masses, just because you have incense, just because you have singing, just because it's all so beautiful, if it's not concerned with the whole world of God, the will of God, that all people become saved, then it's not of God. It becomes evil. And then we condemn ourselves even in the midst of doing holy things. Do you got that? Because I just am more and more and more and more convinced that there are too many people who have scriptures in their heart, I mean in their words, but hatred in their heart, that say scriptures are the prayers, are holy, holy words, and they try to be holy and they try to do holy things, but they hate people. They, no, they refuse to forgive people. They hurt people. They do all these things in God's name, and they're not of God. By their actions from their heart, because it's God's, Jesus says, it's what's from your heart that condemns you. 
God didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. He went to the cross to save us. But he wants us to be like him, that we don't condemn, but we do everything to save. And so it's not a stupid question. It's a fantastic question that you ask. God even lets people go to hell because he has to give us all a choice, correct? Because if he created everybody and says, don't worry, you're going to suffer in this world and everything else, but you're all going to go to heaven. Well, what a miserable God, right? He gives us just to watch us suffer if we all get to go to heaven. That's all. You know, okay, I just like to watch people suffer. I love to see people killing each other over in Ukraine and Russia. That really makes me excited, but don't worry. I'm going to turn it in, and everybody's going to get to go to heaven. Putin's going to be there. The Russian patriarch's going to be there. All the babies that, are, that they're killing are going to be there. Don't worry. They're all going to be there, and it's all. I just like to watch it happen. Uh-uh. God gives us life so we can choose whether to be with him or not be with him. He will not force us to be with him forever. But ultimately, it's going to be the way we love or don't love that condemn us. The God of love comes to save every single person. There is no one, no one, Putin, all these people I talk about, God wants them all to be saved. But they have to choose belief in Christ. And to choose belief in Christ is more than an ascent of belief. I said the creed. I say it every Sunday, Father. I say it every day with my rosary. Very nice. You say you believe by the way you live. Period. Now we're all weak. We all fall. But if my intention and my mind is not to do the will of God and to see things in God's will, that means that you and I got to change. You know, there are people that have become more nationalistic, whether it be an American, uh, French, uh, uh, Russian, Ukraine. They're focused more on their nation than they do on the will of God. That's an idol. Now, of course, we need to be patriotic. Of course, you got to love our country. Of course, of course, of course. You know, a couple of weeks ago, and, uh, you know, one of the things is what we should do with uh, uh, refugees. And uh, the person went on and says, we have a right to keep people out of our country, and I know God, Father. Well, by your actions and by your heart, you're showing you don't. There isn't one person that God does not love, that doesn't want to be saved when they struggle, when they watch their babies die of starvation, there's nothing can do they can do for it. And they run to a country so that they can live, just live. And we sit there and say, absolutely not. We will not let you in. There's an issue there. Now, again, we have to, you know, we, we need to have uh, um, rules about all that stuff, of course. We just can't let people cross the border, of course. But we must always seek what's the will of God in this. Not what's my opinion, not what does my president say, not what does my whatever say. What does Jesus say? That must be the way we live our lives, period. Now, you don't have to agree with me. I think you're totally wrong, 100%. If you're not focused on doing the will of God above everything else in your life, You're truly not a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's period, comma, end of every single paragraph. There is one purpose for all of us who say we're disciples, to do God's holy will. 
Not my will, not my country's will, not my uh, Democratic or Republican Party's will, not the people who agree with me's will. My job and your job is to do the will of Almighty God, period. Now, I get a little passionate about this stuff because there's too many people in the world today who say they're disciples of Jesus, but they're disciples of Jesus as long as he blesses them and gives them what he, they want. As soon as they ask him, as soon as he asks them to die, deny themselves, forgive, welcome all people, they refuse. You only prove you're a disciple, not by what creed you profess, but what creed you live. Huh? So, Hopefully that helps. Hopefully a few of you get mad at me because, again, I'm not here to make everybody happy. I'm here to get everybody and do my part to get everybody to get to heaven. And so that's telling the truth. And sometimes truth isn't very uh, exciting to some people, but there you go. (laughs) Okay. Let's go on here now to uh, some of the stuff here. Oh, yeah, let's go here. Father, can you explain the four marks of the church? It seems we, brothers and sisters, have forgotten. Of course, we say it every week. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. One means there's only one church. There's not many churches that continue on what I was just talking about. You know, there isn't like the Russian church, the Catholic church, the Ukrainian church, the uh, Armenian church, the Protestant church. There's only one Christ people, just one. And because there's only one Christ, the body of Christ is the church. So there's only one church. Huh? So when we say one, it means it's open to all people, and there is only one church, period. You know, and that church is Jesus Christ. It's his body. Now, each of us are parts of it individually and as denominations, but there's still only one church. To be baptized is to be baptized into the one church, okay? As long as the person's baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. So that's why we can say there's no salvation outside the church. Why? Because there's no salvation outside of Jesus. You know, again, as uh, Joan of Arc, St. Joan of Arc says, um, the church and Jesus, I see no difference because it's his body. Huh? So that's just very important. So one, holy. Holy means to be set apart. So we have been set apart for almighty God. For at the moment you are baptized, you're set apart. You know, so again, that's how we get into the church through baptism. But remember, there's three types of baptism. There's the baptism of uh, water, which is the normal, the baptism of blood, which is uh, martyrdom, and the baptism of desire, which is the desire to truly be one with the church. All three get you into the church, okay? So one, holy, Catholic. Um, Again, Catholic means in the universal sense that it's for everyone, one, Holy Catholic. It doesn't mean Roman Catholic. It means universal Catholic. Uh, part of that, of course, is the Roman Catholic Church. One, Holy Catholic, meaning universal. Because, again, as an aside, if you ever go to a Protestant church, they'll say right in there, if they're saying the creed, I believe in one Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. And sometimes Catholics are saying, why is a Lutheran saying they, belong, they believe in the Catholic Church? Because Catholic is bigger than Roman Catholic, Okay. So the Catholic Church. So one, holy, Catholic, apostolic. Apostolic means from the teaching of the apostles, meaning that we can't 
change things. Uh, big T's, you know, there's two different kinds of tradition. There's big T tradition and little t tradition. Big T tradition is that there is, God is Trinity, period. Big T tradition is Christ is present in the Eucharist. Big T tradition is that Jesus is necessary for salvation. Those are big T's, they cannot be changed. Little T's can be changed. And little T's are what a lot of people fight over. Like the way the mass is said, that's a little T. Why? Because it's changed for centuries. In the early church, they had so many different ways of saying mass. If you read one of the earliest descriptions of the mass, it says the presider does as best he, uh, as best he can when offering praise to God or doing the canon. <laughs> really? Yeah, geez. But that's the way they did it. There was no, this is the way and only way. Um, and there still isn't, this is the way and only way. Why? Because you have the Roman mass, which can be in English, Latin, uh, French, whatever, depending where you're at, the vernacular, or it can be the traditional Latin mass. That could be Roman. But you can have Armenian Catholic, Maronite Catholic. Again, I've talked before about my friend in Cal uh, San Diego who's a Maronite, and he says, we say the very words of Jesus. Now, their mass looks very different than our mass, but it's in union with Rome. It's 100% allowed by the church. It's 100% valid. And people say, well, that, that's, that's, that's not the way we say mass. Nope. There are many ways to say mass. And that's why when people get stuck on their little T's, that mean this the way and only this way. It shows they just don't know God. They know their idol of God. And again, that's a judgment, but I'm not talking about a specific individual. I'm talking about in general, that we always need to be focused on God and know the fullness of things. So too many people, uh, I think, like to say things like they have great knowledge about it, but it just shows they have no knowledge about it. They have no knowledge of history. They have no knowledge of the truth, the teaching of the church. They have uh, what they've heard. But I can't tell you how many times, whether people are watching like this or listening to one of my talks or hearing me in confession saying, well, I never heard that before, Father. I go, well, just because you haven't heard it doesn't make it to be true. And then I'll say, if you want to learn more, go to the catechism or uh, go to the canon law. And they'll go, oh, well, uh, Yes, there are things that you and I do not know. And that's why, again, we always got to, before we open our mouth, we got to make sure we open our hearts and we open our heads uh, because all that is, uh, our minds is what, I'm, what I mean. All that is just so important that we're really trying to do God's will there, okay? So let's go on. Uh, ba -da -ba -da -ba -da -ba Audrey, Hope Giggles, oh, it's like a shrine here with Steelers Memorial, you betcha. Chris Walker, you can take the man out of Pittsburgh, but not the Pittsburgh out of the man. Here we go, Steelers, here we go, boom, boom. Jesus loves the Steelers, that's true, Chris. Uh, sorry, no fighting over here. We will not have a fight online here over the best team ever in the world, so there's no fighting, so just let it go. Question, my friend is married, though the justice through a justice of peace. She is a Catholic and he is an atheist. Is she living in sin? <laughs> Objectively, yes. Subjectively, we have no idea. Because uh, again, to commit mortal sin, you need serious matter, full knowledge, full consent of the will. Now, to be married validly as a Catholic, you must be married um, in the church 
with a priest or with a dispensation from the bishop. Like if uh, you're if you're a Catholic and you want to marry a Jewish man by a rabbi, the church can get a, give a dispensation, and that can happen, and that would be a valid marriage because the church dispensed you from the normal way of doing it. But just by being married by a JP or if you're a Catholic, you get married by a Protestant minister, none of those things are valid. They need to be blessed. So, but um, we got to watch that we just don't go and tell people, you know, you're living in sin (laughs) because whether they already know it and they don't care about your opinion or uh, the first thing you say to them, they feel judged by you, and then they'll never hear another word after that. After you, after you judge somebody, after I've judged somebody, and again, I, I speak from this from great experience, that, excuse me, they don't listen to you after that. huh? We say all kinds of stuff, but they've already been hurt by us, and they will not listen to us because they don't feel that we care about them. Excuse me. Anyway, uh, you better not be getting sick again. Anyway, the reality is that um, objectively, yes, they're living in sin. What I always do when I find out, and I've had kids, I had at prep, family members and different things. I have a, a nephew right now that's married outside the church. Um, I say, come on, we got to bless this. We're going to fix this. Well, it doesn't need to be fixed. And then I'll say, well, you, you know, uh, you won't be able to be a confirmation sponsor. You won't be able to be a godfather or godmother. Uh, you can't go and receive any sacraments, can't receive communion, can't uh, uh, go to confession. So let's fix it. I'll help you. You know, I think that if we come with uh, an answer and a way to fix things, in the way that it sounds like we want to help them instead of we want to condemn them, then uh, a lot, that can go a long way. And again, I have not done this well. I mean, please, like sometimes people listen to me, go, oh, he must be so kind. Oh, I wish, I wish, I wish, <laughs> I wish. Uh, continue. While she are praying, while praying for her, what can she do now? be in line with the Catholic Church. Again, she has to get it blessed. Her husband does not have to become a Catholic. He doesn't have to believe in Christ. None of that stuff. You can marry someone. We're always encouraged to marry someone from the faith because it's just easier. Um, But she can even get the marriage blessed without him knowing it. It's called a radical sanation. And, uh, you know, you need a priest for that. And you know, it's all paperwork type thing. It's a rare thing, but it's, it's something that can happen called a radical sanation. But again, I'm not a canon lawyer. Uh, I can just tell you about these things pastorally. Um, so, that yes, just go and talk about how you can help, okay? Chargers aren't even in San Diego anymore. <laughs> Always so grateful to hear you. Uh, can you review again how to discern what is truth? Um, first of all, Jesus says, I am the truth. And so Jesus is truth incarnate, if you will. He's not just love incarnate. He's truth incarnate. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when we're focusing on truth, objectively, it has to be true. It has to exist. And for us to know that is discernment, but also our subjective reality has to become one with the objective reality, huh? Um, keep looking at my thing because someone's out at my house and I don't know what they're doing there. Anyway, so um, 
like for something, like for, when we say Jesus is present in the Eucharist, well, he has to be present in the Eucharist. Uh, it has to be the reality, and I have to come to know that. So it's a subject of my experience to come like, again, like John Paul II was big about this. I can say to you, it's raining outside. And you can say, I believe you, Father. I believe, priest, everything is safe. Well, it's not raining outside. But let's say I said it's raining and it isn't raining. It is raining outside. And I say, listen, it's raining outside. I want you to go and experience this for yourself. Huh? Go run in the rain. Now you know truth. Because your subjective reality, experience, has become one with the objective truth. It's raining outside. So when it comes to discerning truth of almost anything, you have to look at, is it in the scriptures, is it in the official teaching of the church? If it's not, and sometimes it's there um, in seed form that has to be grown, it has to be expanded, but it's there, you know, because all the fullness of revelation was the person of Jesus Christ, and he's the fullness of truth. So it has to be present in him and his teaching in his life. According to us, it's what we believe, Okay. Hopefully that helps you, Heather. Good question. Uh, I think you're sniffling because we are developing algae to meteorocracy of the Steelers. Shut up. Anyway, Father, I was so close to my dad. He was a very healthy person, but he passed away December 14th. I'm very sorry. And I still can't accept or believe it, and I am sure, I'm not sure why this happened. He is my favorite person. Well, first of all, when God calls us home, he calls us home when he wants, uh, not when... Not when we want. It's the ultimate uh, surrender is when God calls us. Again, my mother is not even dead two months yet. And like I always tell people, my mother isn't dead. She's alive. She sees the face of God. Now, it's a, it's a transition to get to know them as they are instead of as they were. I'm still in the middle of that tradition. And I still hold on um, to her past or to her thing like just... Uh, Last night, uh, Kat, thank you, sent me uh, all these pictures of my mother. She took them off the internet, and she had them all framed in nice silver uh, frames, and she sent them to me very beautifully. And uh, so I knew that was when I saw them. And they, uh, not only those three with my family, me and my mother, and a picture of my mother, but she sent me, thank you, Kat, she sent me um, a picture of me and my dog, the last picture of me and uh, Mac. Uh, who passed away in October. And so when I was putting them up, and I have a place that was perfect for them, again, thank you, um, I start getting emotional, and I knew that was what was going to happen. Because I, uh, I think men deal with grief differently than others. Uh, we usually don't deal with it all at one time. It, it sneaks out. <laughs> oh, it little things. It doesn't last long, at least didn't for me. Um, and so I'm still making the transition of getting to know my mother as she is now, seeing the face of God uh, alive, fully alive. And it takes time, so you've got to know that. But you've got to know that no matter what, God's in control. And it's that surrender. So as, as long as you fight that and struggle with it, it's going to be a big pain, a big pain in your heart. It's going to keep you from truly living every day. But when you surrender that, and you can do that as simple as your will be done. Lord, I don't understand, but you're God, and you loved my father more than I did. Your will be done. 
when you get that surrender finally, then you can have some peace. Uh, I it does, don't expect everything to happen overnight, but that'll help. Hopefully, Rethu uh, Joseph. Rethu? Okay. So I hope I said that right. Oh, hail the anointing. Well, shut up. Anyway, <laughs> Rethu, it's going. Doctors say it should be um, our sudden cardiac death, but he was very healthy and did not have his last checkup in November. Again, I'm sorry, but get to know him as he is. Okay, Laura, Lori W. Father, please forgive me if I've already been asked and answered this. Is it possible for you to post your speaking schedule? Of course, it's already online. Um, all my speaking stuff, if you just go to the reasonforourhope.org and you click Meet Father Larry at the top. We're getting a new website here soon. But anyway, it'll, it'll all still be there. We're getting an app too. We're going to have Hope TV. All the stuff I have, everything's going to be out um, free of charge and all that stuff. So, but if you go there to our website now, the reason for our hope, uh, org, and all you have to do is put in Google Father Larry Richards, and the first thing that comes up is my foundation. And you go uh, meet Father Larry, and then right under there, it says Father Upcoming Speaking Events, and it gives you all the events that I'm going to be speaking at for the next year. Uh, like uh, I'm going to Ave Maria in uh, the second weekend of May. I think it's the second weekend of May. I'll be at Ave Maria in Florida speaking at their conference with some other uh, great speakers. Um, and then I'll be in Legatus up in uh, South Bend, but that's a closed uh, group. And then uh, I'll be down the next, uh, this is all the following, like the third week of May. And then I'll be in um, over in Ashtabula, Ohio, speaking at a church over there. Um, and then I will be in Phoenix, Arizona at the end of June for the CMLA, which is the Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance, which I'm a spiritual director for, so I will be down there for that weekend. Again, it's a closed group, unless you're a men's leader, um, and all that stuff is uh, online. But all the stuff, where I'm going to be, everything's all, always online. So thanks for asking there, Lori. Uh, is there ES, ESPN? I don't even think there's sports in heaven. Sorry, Paul. Um, do to do, five father, ask for your prayers for all the goss for all who gossip, including myself. Yeah, you got that from everybody. Okay. Okay, on one of the more serious note, then the Steelers, please pray for me. I've been in a funk pretty much all year. Yeah, me too. I want to be a husband, my father, family deserve. And again, Chris, the best way to do that is to get the hell out of the way. Say, Jesus, you take over. Jesus, love them through me. Jesus, live your life through me. Again, it's not easy, but you got to be praying that every day. You know, I no longer live. So if you're in a funk, when I'm in a funk, I no longer live. Jesus Christ lives inside of me, Galatians 2, 19 and 20. Um, so again, just my prayer has been helping me get out of this is, Lord, help me to get out of the way. Live your life through me. And when you surrender more, he can uh, do more. Okay. So, go back here. This is for Maureen. Um, I have two questions. Last Sunday was Divine Mercy Sunday. Yes, it was. Why do so many churches ignore this day? Because it's a, it's a private revelation, and you do not need to believe in private revelations to be saved. Uh, more and more are doing. I was just thinking, we used to be packed for Divine Mercy at my parish because we were the only ones that did it. 
But now all kinds of churches doing it. Everybody else picks it up. Uh, so our church is down, but it's a great thing because now they're going to other churches. I went to our diocese website to see if any special service was listed. I found nothing. Usually the diocese wouldn't do that. It would be done by various parishes. But I'm sure, I don't know where you are at, um, uh, but normally you're going to find at least one parish in your diocese, I don't know who keeps going to my house, you'll find at least one parish in your diocese that'll have divine mercy. But again, I know a lot of priests that don't have devotion to that, but I've done this for many, many years. I think it's an important thing. I finally listened to Bishop Barron and your homilies, which incorporated divine mercy with the Easter message. I did the novena and pray the divine chaplet daily. Good. Just confused why this is ignored by so many priests. I'm trying to understand. I don't understand, so you're never going to understand. Uh, people just... Uh, do what they want to do, and some people don't have that devotion, and that's okay. You do not have to have divine mercy devotion and be a good priest or be a good Catholic. Uh, again, the teaching of the church is you have to believe what the church teaches. Uh, remember, like someone came and put stuff after watching my mass. Uh, you could tell they were a traditional Catholic, traditional though so far that they're not even in union with Rome because they, they quoted, which was a true statement, that the divine mercy or divine mercy in my soul and devotion to a divine mercy was under interdict. It was forbidden for many, many years in the church, forbidden. And then John Paul came and uh, brought it back. And not only brought it back, you know, uh, canonized her and all kinds of stuff. But again, that happened to things like, you know, Padre Pio was forbidden to speak and say mass privately for a while. Hear confessions. He was uh, forbidden by Rome to do that. And so that happens sometimes a lot just to make sure that the things are of God. So when that came back, divine mercy, and it's, it's my greatest devotion uh, next to the Eucharist. It's all the same, but I have great devotion to Eucharist, but I also have great devotion to divine mercy, which is all one and the same reality. It's to Jesus. But um, you do not have to believe in that to be a good Catholic. Uh, you just don't, according to the teaching of the church. I think you should, but whatever. My second question concerns adoration of Blessed Sacrament. Our church has adoration for eight hours once a week. Some days I go to church and no one is there while the Blessed Sacrament is exposed. That's not supposed to be. I'm an older person, but we were taught never to leave the Blessed Sacrament alone while he's exposed. Help. Completely true. Uh, at my parish, we have perpetual adoration, and they all know never leave Jesus exposed um, alone never 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 and they don't someone will sit there three hours until someone comes in um especially in the middle of the night if someone doesn't show up or two people don't show up but yes uh the blessed sacrament should never if he is exposed should never be left alone once i walked into a church in toledo ohio i was driving by and i went into the church and they had adoration i went down the adoration chapel and uh there was nobody there full the eucharist fully exposed and so i pulled out my card and i wrote please it should never happen and then the uh, assistant uh, uh wrote me an email or called i can't remember who it was uh, you know well it does happen da, da, da. well that's good but uh they're supposed to be trained not to let that happen emergencies happen of course but it should be part of the thing that okay like at my place, if there was an emergency, they would call, and then I or my assistant would go and put the Blessed Sacrament away. Um, you can still come and sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament in a tabernacle, but if he's exposed, he should always have uh, two people. There always uh, at least one person there anyway. Okay. 
conversion of my atheist husband, who is an atheist and has cancer, diabetes. Most people are atheists because they've been hurt by the church or hurt by God. And so just keep praying that his heart would be come to know the love of God. That's all. I mean, uh, I think that, again, when they see a church that's not filled with love, then how can they believe in a God of love? Uh, so I understand atheism. I just do, especially like, uh, like again, how can you look at the, when uh, the head of a church, like in Russia, says uh, killing people in Ukraine is okay and giving his blessing? Come on, I'd be an atheist too. I would just, I'd have to reject that 100%. Anything that's done that. And the church has done that. We have done that too. And we uh, killed, uh, burned heretics and everything else. That's just why uh, I was just, I'm reading someone, John Paul, and how he got, uh, people didn't like him uh, too, believe it or not, because they thought he was liberal, believe it or not. Um, because he got up and apologized for how the church has hurt others, how the church hurt the Jews, how the church hurt uh, Protestants. And he was condemned by some of the cardinals, like, the church doesn't sin. Oh, yes, it does. And it's only when people think that they don't, and we don't, and the church can't. Why? Because it's the body of Christ. Yep. It's still holy, set apart. But because it has us in there that sins. Jesus lives inside of me, people. He lives inside of you, too. But I sin. Jesus still lives inside of me but I still sin. Same with the church. It's his body. But because we are members of his body and because we are still human, we sin. Christ doesn't sin, but we sin in him. When I sin, it isn't Christ that sins in me. It's I who sin in me. And he weeps. Um, but still, yes. Okay, let's go on. Question, we pray for the dearly beloved departed, assuming they are in purgatory. What if they're already in heaven or in hell? Our prayers are wasted. There is never, ever, 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 ever a wasted prayer. God will take the prayer that uh, someone who's already made it to heaven or in hell and put it to someone else in purgatory who needs it. So that's why we always uh, just give it to God. And we do the praying for that, but again, um, like I was there and I anointed my mother seven times. I gave her the last rites. I gave her the plenary indulgence in the moment of death. And I'll bet you I have a hundred uh, masses being said, at least a hundred masses said throughout the world for the repose of the soul of my mother. Now, my mother's soul, because I gave her absolution uh, at the moment of death and I gave her plenary indulgence in the moment of the death, then that means that most likely she got to go right to heaven. So what happens to all those masses that are being said for her. Well, God, of course, will take them and use them for someone else who needs it. Think about all the people who have died that have no one to pray for them and no one to say have a mass for them. God fixes that. So never, ever think that you're wasting a prayer or wasting a mass. God has a plan. Trisha, Father, good to see you. What can we do to say, what can we do or say to the parents of infants who are not having their baby baptized? Well, um, the church teaches we can't baptize babies if the parents are if the if the child has no hope of being raised in the church. So I've never refused to baptize anybody. 
um, because at least they brought them, so I always say there is hope. But if people have no hope in the church, you know, don't want to do that, you can't baptize that child. I know a lot of, some of you maybe, who uh, have baptized their grandkids because the parents won't do it, they do it privately. Again, this isn't magic. There's no magic about this. What's necessary for a sacrament to work? I've talked about this. I just uh, yelled at some, some of the poor confirmation kids. I think some of them had to change their underwear because after I gave the retreat, I talked about the necessity and I said, okay, and everybody had to come in and meet with me individually. And I say, why do you want to be confirmed? And they'd say, oh, isn't the next level in the church? You know, no, it's not graduating. This isn't, this isn't some kind of uh, graduation or some ritual. It's about an encounter with the spirit of the living God and what is necessary for that to work is is faith. So when you baptize a child, the child has no faith. Where does the faith come from? It must come from the parents and the godparents. So if parents don't have faith, then again, it's not just going through the motions with the sacrament. That's the problem. So you pray for the parents that they would come to know God and that their desire, God would put in their desire to have their kids baptized. That's the better way to do it. Because we don't force baptism on people. Oh, we've tried throughout the years, but still. Okay, Cameron, thank you so much for answering my question. Um, Evie, thank you, Father. Harry, say passionate Father. Thank you. <laughs> Some days. <laughs> Again, uh, every time I say anything anymore, I'm just thinking about someone who's going to pick up the, the this tape because it's all out there and edit it down and then just get one or two sentences I say, and then I'll be crucified uh, from the world again. Oh, I hate that, but sometimes necessary. Stay passionate, Father. The Archbishop of Canterbury said a few things about refugees and the UK government turned on him. Maybe we need to remember John Welby in our prayers too. Of course we do. Um, yeah. And I do understand the need for governments to put borders and that up. Of course, um, some people that come in want to kill us. I don't think that's most of them. But if we don't have some kind of way of uh, uh, dealing with them or uh, what do you call that, uh, putting them through some kind of scrutiny, then uh, people can come in here and uh, terrorists and kill our people. So we don't want that either. But we do want to make sure that we are open, you know, especially in America. I mean, when you come in and you see that Statue of Liberty and uh, just bring your broken. And think about, you know, 99% of us all came from somewhere else except for the Native Americans. But the rest of us came in and took over this country, killed people that got in our way, sadly. Um, but we did it. And none of us were, like, uh, I, of course, it, my grandparents are born here, but my great-grandparents on my father's side uh, were not. They came from England. And then uh, my mother's side, they came from Germany and Hungary and Ireland. Um, but they were all refugees. And because we were Catholic, remember, Catholic refugees in America were treated horribly. We are spit on, no Catholics allowed. They wouldn't give us insurance. We had to start Catholic education, not because it was just a good idea, but because they would not uh, allow Catholics in schools. So we had to start our own. The Knights of Columbus was started because nobody would give Catholics insurance. So the Knights of Columbus were founded as an insurance agency to take care of widows and children. Um, we were treated, the Catholic Church was hated. 
when we came to America. And so we got to make sure that we don't treat others the way we've been treated. That's, you know, it says treat others the way you'd like to be treated. So anyway, does the catechism carry the authority of magisterium? Uh, yes, it does. It's about as close to magisterium as you can get. Again, on big T's, there are little things because again, the catechism can be changed, right? John Paul II changed the catechism. Um, and then Pope Francis changed even more. It went deeper, you know, like these were the, 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 the things they changed on there was um, like, can you allow capital punishment? John, it used to be allowed. And then John Paul says, no, it shouldn't be allowed except in very rare circumstances. And Pope Francis came and says, no, it's not allowed, period, <laughs> you know. Uh, so it has the weight of the magisterium, but magisterium can grow too, like everything else. Meaning that, now some people don't get that, how it can grow. Go all the way in the beginning. At first, they didn't know Jesus was God. They had to get into that by John's gospel which was anywhere written between 90 and 110, uh, 110 AD, they had a sense because it's high theology that Jesus is the son of God. They did not know Trinity, even though it's pointed at, you shall baptize him in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and Matthew's gospel and that. But that all had to be discerned and then declared dogma later on in the councils. Uh, so it had to develop. Okay, this is what we believe and why we believe it. You know the need for scripture. The Bible didn't come into existence in the New Testament as we have it until around 390 AD. And it's not just one council, but the Council of Rome pretty much uh, sealed it by then, at 390 AD. But there's thousands of books, and they were going back and forth. You know, one of the books that we're reading now in the breviary was um, the, the Gospel, I mean, the Revelation of St. John. Uh, they really fought a lot whether that should be contained in our canon or not. Um, Luther thought some of the thing books should be thrown out, and that's a separate reality. But like with James and different things, that you know, uh, Song of Songs should that be part of the canon? Shouldn't it be part of the canon? So the, uh, we, if, if we grow in the truth is there in seed form, but the way we articulate that might change. You know, thou shalt not kill has always been part of it. How we've articulated that and how that looks uh, has uh, grown is the best way to do it. What the heck's going on at my house? Anyway, so hopefully that helps. Ah, hi, Father Larry. Is If the husband leaves his wife and does, goes to live with another woman, does the wife commit a sin when she receives communion? Of course not. No, 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 you're fine. Uh, she doesn't go on a date. No, no, you're 100% fine. She's just separated alone. Yes, uh, that's a cross, and God in no way condemns you. In fact, God wants to draw you close to himself at that very time. Jack, hi, Father Larry. If husband leaves his wife and goes to live with another, okay, thanks, Jack. Chris, Ryan, family law, my best, okay. Um, blessings, Julie Newman. Uh-huh. My husband is an atheist, and I'm a Catholic woman. Sorry, needed to point this out. That we went to have renewed our vows in the Catholic Church after our civil service, uh, what does that mean? If uh, you, you, your marriage is blessed, you're fine. Uh, so after you had your civil service, you can go and have your marriage blessed. It's 100%. You're 100% okay. Uh, Father, if you swear accidentally a mortal sin, you can't commit mortal sin unless you have serious matter. Full knowledge and full consent. So if you do it accidentally, it can't be a mortal sin by definition uh, when you use the Lord's name in vain. 
when it just comes out. Nope, you need to really want to do it. Wrong to receive communion for a young adult who believes Eucharist is a symbol and the church is wrong on contraception and abortion. Um, again, I wouldn't sit there and say, you can make that judgment, but I would. I want to like I want to walk with people. Uh, they need the grace, and then they and they need to to. Uh, they just don't know. They've never had the experience of Christ in the Eucharist. But what you know, again, I have a retreat program called DME. We have one coming up in July and after two years hiatus and i get all these people all these kids especially having a clue what we believe and then all of a sudden they get on fire for jesus seminarians we've had a lot of priests come through the program but they were like atheists when they joined so meet people where they are and walk with them and god will do the rest okay please please father how to explain to my 10 year old we do not crucify re-crucify jesus at every mass uh, it's very hard because, uh, again, we don't because he died once and for all. The best way I always tell people is the uh, eternity folds into time and time folds into eternity because, again, at the Last Supper, Jesus said, this is my body. How can it be his body when he had not yet died? Because before God, everything now, so the world is being created now. The world is ending now. Jesus is dying on the cross now. Jesus is at the Last Supper now. Jesus is resurrected now. Everything's now. So when we go to Mass, we are actually at Calvary now. We are actually at the resurrection now. We're actually at the Last Supper now. Eternity, all the things that were happening, fold into time, and time folds into eternity, and we're there. That's the best way. I don't know how to explain that best to your kid, but listen to it a couple times and find out how to say that to a 10-year-old. Um, okay. Right, many prayers and incense for Chris Walker and going through, absolutely. Bruce Mills, good hour. Thank you. I missed you at 7 a.m. today. They, uh, it is, uh, the, the live stream didn't work, but it is up on the YouTube mass this morning. So if you go to YouTube, Father Larry Richards on YouTube, you can watch the mass. We've had problems. We're spending a fortune, uh, but we've had problems with the internet and honest to goodness. It, uh, <laughs> what are you going to do? Anyway, I got to go. Uh, tonight's uh, a board meeting for our um, foundation. I told you before, Mary Teresa, our director, our executive director, is retiring, so we need to replace her. So if, uh, uh, if you have a strong love of God, you have great organizational abilities, you have the capacity to be an executive director. Here it's more like a chief of staff for me. Um, Send in your resume to, uh, to our website, The Reason for Our Hope, and put at the attention of uh, uh, Mary Therese Craig, her things on her. And, uh, you know, we have a, a group, a professional group going out and trying to get all this stuff, and that helps, but I know God will provide. So uh, if you're interested or you know somebody who can be an executive director of our foundation and take it to the next level, apply, and we will throw it into the hopper, Okay. Thank you for watching me. Uh, please pray for me. No, I pray for you every day, every morning and every night, and that I love you and I count on your prayers. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.